the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What are you smiling at me for? Is it is it bad to smile? Is that like a problem for you? I don't know. Normally when you start smiling at me at the beginning of the show, there's something going on. Uh, Not always. Okay. Well, anyway... <laughs> For those of you listening today, it's uh, thanks for tuning in. This is Woods and Water, South Carolina. My name is Roger Metz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor. Hello, everybody. Well, I'm back for another week. Back for another week, <laughs> and uh, it, it is Easter weekend. It is. So we hope that uh, you, those of you out there listening, um, you know, it's it, not going to be the same. You're not going to have the big church services tomorrow, but, you know, all you got to do is look outside. That's all you've got to do and realize that everything will be okay. And uh, and we'll get back to normal, but it is Easter and Happy Easter to everyone. And uh, it, you know, somebody had to had to had to take one for the team. And and the, <laughs> this week it's it's Andy Johnson. He uh, he is a fire management official and law enforcement officer of the South Carolina Forestry Commission. And he was I reached out to them because we have a statewide red ban red flag ban in effect. And I reached out to the Forestry Commission and and Andy, you, you shouldn't have answered because now you're on the radio. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Open mouth and shirt foot. That's right. That's exactly right. I'm amazed that people still answer my emails and messages and all that. You think they, the word would get out? Look at this guy contacts you. Don't don't just don't ignore it. He'll go away. <laughs> well, well, we were getting uh, hammered on social media. Yeah. Um, so I stepped up and was trying to answer some of those questions. And I really appreciate the opportunity this morning uh, to speak with you. Yeah. Um, we we've got a black eye, uh, <laughs> you know, on some things. So, well, this I mean, be a great opportunity to help it out. Sure, and we we appreciate you taking a few minutes of your time to be with us. But uh, go ahead and take just a minute. Tell us uh, tell us who you are and, and what your uh, what you do there. Sure. Uh, so my name is Andy Johnson. Uh, I'm a fire management officer and law enforcement officer for the Forestry Commission. I'm also a program manager uh, for our Wildland Urban Interface Group. Oh. Uh, it's our it's our prevention team. Okay. Uh, there's th- there's three of us. We cover the the whole state. Uh, it administer fire prevention programs. Uh, we uh, administer Firewise USA, which is a program that uh, goes into local communities uh, and helps them cope with uh, how to deal with a wildfire if they ever have to deal with one. Okay. Um, we do. Um, have grant money to help out communities to be able to protect themselves uh, from wildfires. There's a lot of different things that uh, that we can come in and assessment uh, hmm. to help people out on that level. Cool. But on the on the fire management part, yeah, you know, I do uh, prescribed burning. Uh, it's a probably the, the best part about my job is waking up knowing I get to go in the woods and uh, and see <laughs> firework. That's an odd feeling. <laughs> I mean, just tell you, that's you know, an I, odd. And we're going to get into I, that. I, I don't want to steal Brad's thunder, but 
because uh, uh, he uh, he uh, messaged me the other day and said, hey, when this is all over, we need to talk about prescribed burning and all that. And we just did one the other day. So Taylor's got a question for you about that. Uh, but it is, an, it is an odd sensation to light the woods on fire. It is. It's, uh, I, I would be I would be misrepresenting us if I said that uh, that all of us don't have just a tad bit of power in, <laughs> to, to be able to go out and do this. It's, it's an enjoyable experience. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and we love doing it. Uh, there's to me, there's no better job that a, a man's going to pay me to, to light something on fire, and I get to you know spend all morning doing it. It's, it's great. With my brother and I, because we were we were all in up together, Taylor, my brother and I, and uh, he was walking through the woods with his drip torch, you know, just setting a parallel line and all. And I said, I said, you know what? I said. Our granddaddy would just be in heaven right now because he was a pyromaniac too. My dad followed his footsteps. My brother said, "Yeah." He said, "If if dad and granddaddy had drip torches, they'd have burned half of Chester County." <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I, I think that's where a lot of people kind of missed the boat. You know, we we instituted this burn ban uh, yeah. based on, uh, of course, COVID nineteen stuff. Okay. And also uh, our staffing levels, and then it, you know I'm sure everybody's kind of acknowledged the weather over the past couple of days, and yeah, and it's going to get worse today and tomorrow and uh, through the weekend. Okay. Uh, but when we we took uh, when we we uh, implemented the burn ban, we also took that tool away from our people also. Right. Uh, and that's uh, that's a big thing because we have a pretty extensive prescribed fire program. You know, we do a lot of landowner services. Right. Uh. That's like you know one of our bread and butter things. So, yeah. you know, it's not just the general public suffering. It's, it's all the folks that we do this this kind of service for. It's uh, even on state land. Uh, you know, we're suffering from it also. I got gotcha. you. So, uh, I guess the, the the point of that is we're all in this together. Right. That's exactly <laughs> There's right. No other way to say it. That's exactly right. Well, um, okay. I mean, you've you've covered a lot of what we talked about earlier and all, and um, but the Forestry Commission. I mean. Just some generalities. I mean, what it, overall, what is it responsible for doing here in the state of South Carolina? Sure. So, uh, you know, we were we were started as an agency back in 1927. Uh, we we were charged by law with a, basically a one mission with three elements: uh, promote, protect, and enhance the you know the forest lands of the state. Okay. Um, we didn't immediately go into the firefighting business because we wasn't really funded for that. Uh, it was a piecemeal. Uh, thing in the beginning uh, and then we started uh, developing uh, better ways to put out you know we call them forest fires then now we call them wildfires okay um and actually if you've ever seen a plow that's on the back of one of our bulldozers those <laughs> things were originated here in south carolina our guys at the shop actually come up with that really you know, 60 years ago and we ended up uh getting rid of the patents and stuff but uh it was a, a very useful tool to us then, yeah. and it hasn't changed much, you know, in, in 2020. We still, uh, the wildland fire agencies still run the same type of equipment, you know, that they did because it works so well. <laughs> Why well, fix so, it if it's not broken? That's exactly right. <laughs> so we're responsible for about 13.6 million acres of forest land across the state. Uh, of wow. that, uh, 11 to 12 million of that is, is what we consider uh, commercial forest land, and that's not saying that Georgia Pacific owns this land, that's saying that Mr. Roger Mitt has a tree farm or he has <laughs> a set of woods that we, you know, protect. Sure. Um, so it's, it's, you know, private lands is, is what we're looking at. Okay. Um, 
we respond to a, a significant number of wildfires every year. And, and of those wildfires, uh, greater than 40% of those are started by humans. Uh, not necessarily the ones that go out there and, and you know, set fire to the woods, you know, for incendiary purposes, but careless debris burn. Okay. Uh, accounts for a large majority of that. So part of the burn ban, and I guess we'll get back to touching about it, is yeah. uh, we took away people's recreational fire privileges, so to speak. It's okay. like, uh, you know, you can't go in your backyard and have a campfire right now. Well, that did not always used to be like that. Uh, that law was actually changed in 2017, just after we experienced the, uh, a large fire in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, we uh, could see of, that one from the house up here. That's right. So Pinnacle Mountain fire right. uh, was started in you know in late 2016 when we had a a, a, a perfect cauldron of conditions um, to start those fires. And if you remember, that was about the time when Gatlinburg was was That's catching on right. fire and burning. Yep. yep, sure was. So it was. You know, we we had this band of weather that set over the top of us, and you know, it didn't move and it dried everything out. It, it brought no moisture into the air, uh, and it made for a tinderbox that was. That wildfire fire actually cost the uh, taxpayers almost $5 million. A lot of money. Yeah, that's right. A lot of money. And it was started by a, a, a campfire that wasn't properly extinguished. Yeah. We got so about – after that – I was going to say, I was going to say, we, we're coming up on the end of that uh, – end of the segment. Um, so we got it – okay, can't burn, and we're going to get back to that shortly. And I hate to cut you off, but we're going we're gonna to go to this break. Um, we come back. I want to – I want to talk about just in normal conditions, normal times okay. after this is all over. And then I do want to come back around to some frequently asked questions. I know that people have been asking about the burn ban and all. So if you would, hang on through the break. Everybody listening, hang on through the break. We'll be back. We're talking to Andy Johnson. He is a fire management officer and law enforcement officer with the South Carolina Forestry Commission. And we're going to be right back after this break. This is just for you, Andy. You, me, them. I begged him not to do that, but he did anyways. Oh, come on. we got to have some fun here. I think we have a little too much fun. Well, that's, that's the closest I could come to a, a law enforcement bumper music. Is the Blues Brothers, you know. That's right. <laughs> there we go. So anyway, but yeah, oh we we are talking to Andy Johnson from the South Carolina Forestry, Mission, Forestry Commission, who uh, took some time out to be with us this morning. And Andy, we are under a statewide red ban, a red flag ban uh, for the foreseeable future. But you know, we've got some um, under normal conditions. Under normal, I guess. Let's say six months ago, or a year ago, or six months from now. Taylor's got a couple of questions for you on uh, just some general stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, like Dad mentioned, we did a control burn at our farm, um, and the forester said it was perfect conditions. So that was very good for us. But 
Under normal conditions, what are some of the burn levels for South Carolina? So we used to operate in a, 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 a complex readiness level, and now we've uh, kind of switched gears, and we, we basically say it's high, uh, moderate, and low. Okay. Uh, right now, just uh, you know, today, tomorrow, through the weekend, we are actually on a high fire danger, and that's because uh, of our weather conditions as far as our wind speeds, our lower humidity, uh, the, the dryness, uh, you know, of the soils and, and fuels. Um, and, and this is a normal condition for this time of year. This is something that we're used to. March and April is, is usually our busiest month. Okay. Uh, so th- this time, six months ago, we probably would have been on a moderate. Well, let me back up. This time, six <laughs> months ago, we were on a low because we have been underwater. Oh, yeah. uh, for, you know, <laughs> it has been awful. Awful oh, yes. wet. So, um, but this is a normal condition for us, what we usually observe in, in uh, April and, and March. Uh, we're used to having to get our boots tied on tight during these months. Okay, okay. I understand that. But, you know, when you go to the South Carolina Forestry Commission website, you know, it, it talks about all sorts of stuff. It talks about weather conditions and all. Do y'all have meteorologists on staff that help y'all monitor the weather, how the humidity levels, the wind, and stuff like that? Or is that something y'all pull out from, from somewhere else? We, we do not have a meteorologist. Uh, I, I think that the, the grand goal would be to have a uh, what we call an incident meteorologist. Okay. Uh, we do have guys that specialize in fuels and how they dry and uh, how well they respond to fire. But the, I guess one of the main reasons we don't have a meteorologist is because we have a very rooted partnership with the National Weather Service. Okay. Um, they administer a, a, a ton of products for fire weather forecasting, and uh, we work with them closely every day. Our, okay. our leadership is in contact with them usually four or five times through the day. So. Okay. All right, cool. Well, you know, like I said, under normal conditions and all, when somebody wants to do a, uh, let's just say, a yard to be burned, you know, they've, they've trimmed up some trees and got some limbs laying around, and this is just in general. City, city limits have a whole different things. If you're in the city limits of Greenville or Columbia or something, that's you got you got different pro- issues. But if you're in the if you're in the country and all, and, and you've got some yard debris, do people need to contact the Forestry Commission to let them know, hey? This morning I'm going to start burning this, and 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 get that weather report. Is there some way they can get that and notify you guys that they're going to be burning? Most definitely. State law requires you uh, to contact or make notification of us any time before you do any type of outdoor burning, whether it be yard debris, uh, a large scale burn like a prescribed fire, uh, or even now, you know, we can kind of consider like a, having a large bonfire. It's something you need to notify us for. Okay. And it's an easy process for the yard debris folks. There's a list of phone numbers that you can find on our website or on our Facebook page that will tell you. Uh, you just scroll and find what county you're in, and you call the 1-800 number. It takes about 45 seconds to listen to a little message and then leave your name and number and address on a, on a, a recorded uh, prompt. And it will let us know that you, know, that you have a fire in that area. Cool. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the simplest things you can do, and it'll save you a lot of money in the end. Because then you don't get the volunteer guys, the U.S. Forest Service plane circling, you know, all that sort of things. Exactly. <laughs> well, we got some. I, I know with the since we're under the red flag, burn statewide uh, for the f- foreseeable future. 
got a couple questions that, and you can you can look at a long list of frequently asked questions about the band on the South Carolina Forestry <laughs> Commission website. But uh, we got a few of them here. We'd like to ask you that that kind of jump out at us. Okay. So Dad had mentioned, you know, city limits. Some people may get confused about how do I know whether I live within or outside the city limits. Can you take some time to like answer that question if somebody was to ask you that? Sure. So probably the easiest way for you to figure out is uh, who do you pay taxes to? Um, if you pay taxes to the, the county and the city, then you're going to be inside of an incorporated limit. Okay. Uh, for those people that, that live in the, a town that doesn't really have a tax base, you can also contact the fire department and they can tell you uh, how something like that happens if you don't know who to contact with with the town that you might be close to. Um, the reason why the uh, these laws don't pertain to those I think the intent behind it was to return the power to the local level. Okay. See, you know, your neighbor is, is one that makes better decisions about what's going on in the neighborhood than, than someone, you know, 80 miles away. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, how how long is this going to last? <sighs> oh, Lord. I guess essentially, is, is this going to last as long as McMaster's executive orders are in place? I think that we'll see it last at least until we start seeing these number of cases subside. When okay. we go over the bell and the curve is, is, is on the downward trend and, and we've kind of got a lull or, or it's, um, you know, leveled out, we'll probably see it then. Um, I would, I would guess probably a, a month, maybe, and I, I probably shouldn't even throw a date on that <laughs> month, fine. maybe two months. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you never know what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, I guess it all depends on, you know, what our environment uh, allows us to, to, to bring, you know. Okay. Yeah. So as long as this lasts a month, two months, um, can people still cook out in their grill? Sure. Yeah. So we, there's no way that we could uh, sleep at night knowing we took a man's grill away from us. <laughs> <laughs> If, if you have a charcoal grill, a gas grill, or something like that that's on your back deck or in your backyard, and you want to cook some steak, by all means, fire it off and, and, and let it happen. <laughs> that's that's uh, good because social media, people have been make, uh I've gained 10 pounds just looking at social media and the things people are putting on their grill these days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I recently purchased a new uh, Rec Tech in the... Uh, my, my children are, are, are getting used to the, the eating off this thing. I don't even know if I've cooked a meal inside since all this has started. <laughs> <laughs> then, it's, then it's an investment well worth the cost. Very much so. Very much. Uh, you know, it's going to get chilly over the next week or so. Uh, some people still heat with wood stoves and all. Uh, can they still heat their houses with wood stoves? Yes, sir. By all means. Those, those creature comforts, that's a necessity of life. Um, as long as it's a it's a fireplace inside your house uh, that, that you use for heating, uh, living space is that's perfectly fine. Okay. We see a lot of folks that have these um, uh, little fire pits on their you know back patio or something. Those necessarily uh, don't, don't uh, fly with, uh, as far as this law goes. Okay. Um, you need. But to- I guess you also got to look at. Um, go ahead and listen to your radio, Andy. Go ahead. You need to. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. It's 
That's the cool thing about live radio, Taylor. Mm-hmm. You just never know. We are not going to be out enforcing riding around people's neighborhood okay. and looking on their back patio to see if they're burning in their fire pit. <laughs> All right. uh, well, you know, I don't know of any agency that has the resources oh, to go yeah. actively seek some, you know, uh, like I said, you know, we, we, we got, you know, 12 million acres we get, we got to look at. Uh, and y'all are you know, still. You're, you're, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, and your fire pit that's on your back patio isn't our priority. It's the ones that are in their backyard burning God only right. knows what, baby diapers and everything else. But that, that's the ones that, that we need to be looking at. Yeah, because y'all, y'all still have to, even though, you know, things are not a lot to open and people are supposed to stay home a lot, y'all still have all those acres to take care of. In fact, we were going to, we were talking about doing this interview yesterday. And when the wind was getting up, you're like, yeah, it might have to be running some fires and all that. So we put that off. So you, you, even though everything is, is operating at a low level, y'all still have all your responsibilities to take care of still. That's right. And actually, uh, in our business, our risk increases with people being home. Ah. Uh, because you still have those folks that say, I'm not going to call in. I didn't know there was a band. I'm burning my yard debris regardless and stuff like that. So those are the, those are the folks that, that let fires get away from them. Okay. Uh, we have an increased load of people in their homes, which just puts the increased load on the infrastructure. So if we get a 30, 40 mile hour wind that knocks over power lines, then here we go. You know, we're chasing fire. So it, it, it is an increased load when, when folks are home. Okay. So Have even though that? That everybody's sheltering in place, kind of, so to speak, we're actually working, you know, more hours. Well, that is great. Well, Andy, I really appreciate you taking time to be on the show. Uh, I think it's a lot of information. Just to be sure, we under our, are under a red statewide red flag ban until further notice. Yes, sir. We are under a, a state forester's burn ban, and we will let the folks know as soon as we can lift it up. We, okay. I'd love to see it happen as quick as possible. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think you're, I think you're you're in the majority of everybody just wants to get back to living life. That's exactly right. And what? we're all in this together, and that's one thing that's important, you know, for folks to understand is uh, when we, you know, implemented this ban, it, it, it hurts us too. So. I got you. Yeah, because it takes a lot of fun things out of your job too. Exactly. <laughs> well, Andy Johnson, thank you so much for answering my message. Thank you so much for the time you've taken to be on the show today. And uh love to have you back on, and um, I'm sure we can find some reason to talk under happier sure. circumstances in the future. That sounds great. I appreciate you having me All very right. much, sir. Thank you, sir. Talk Thank to you, you later. Yes, sir. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Taylor, that was uh, a lot of information. That was a lot of information. <laughs> but it's some good stuff. I hope that helped. <laughs> <laughs> it did, Eddie. Thank you. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, just don't chance it, folks. No. They got enough going on on their own. So with that, we'll take a break and uh, come back with more Woods and Water South Carolina on the other side. For all you husbands who've been looking at your wife now for the last two weeks. <laughs> okay, I'm sticking up for mama on this one. No, oh, she's that, gonna be mad that, at you. No, that that's really that is the face of South Carolina tourism. 
Darius Rucker. Change the subject for 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah got to change the subject. And uh, speaking of changing the subject, <laughs> and we talked about the red flag ban. We've got in effect in South Carolina for the foreseeable future, and and Andy was great. We had a good time with him. Hope you all enjoyed that. But we're going to totally shift gears now to happy stuff. To gaining 10 more pounds because you're cooking at home. <laughs> we were joined by uh, a really good friend of this show. He uh, has uh, has been on the show for like five of the last six years that I've had this thing. And just, just a great guy. And and finally got to meet him last year at Camp Wildwood. Folsom, California and Greer, South Carolina finally came together in Pinewood. <laughs> and uh, Scott, welcome back to the show. Good to be there, man. My, I've been spending a lot of time in uh, in Pinewood over the years. My my son went to camp at Camp Woody a couple of times, and it's always, uh, you know, I'm there every December. Yes, yes. And I'm going to make it a point to be there every December for just a few minutes if, if you know, I can't get any more than that. Um, you know, well, I, it's, I know it's a little tough on the camp guys right now because yes. that's kind of in limbo right now for Camp yes. Woody. But you know, I saw they did a fundraiser for Camp Woody, and they—I think they raised over like twenty thousand dollars on scholarship to to get campers down there this year. Yeah, it, you know, it's a—it's an incredible organization. Always been a big supporter. That's why I like to come out there every year and see David Walicki and that group yep. there. It's—they do really good things. Well, we got Scott Lace at the Sporting Chef on with us, and he's got two TV shows, the Sporting Chef, and he's got Dead Meat, and we were talking at. Man, with with not being able to travel, you're going to be doing a lot of driving, and and you know where you where your travel is going to take you. Well, for dead meats, we're going to go up to the Umpqua River uh, in uh, in Oregon, and we're, and we're going after Nutria and uh, <laughs> Sacramento Pike. Uh, it's a really bony, not good eating fish. Uh, we're going to go down to Arizona and look for some javelina. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get to Alaska and Canada, but I'm just not quite sure I'd get there. And then Texas, Texas is a 30 hour drive from here, so I'm trying to avoid that. I'm gonna, I'm hoping I can get back on a plane by then. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I, I I think we're gonna get back to normal here pretty soon. Uh, it looks crossed. like things are trending down, and and people look people just don't want to stay at home. Well, if we don't get back to normal, I'm going to have to get some bigger pants because I'm not I'm not getting a whole lot of exercise sitting around trying to feed my boredom with something else to eat. It's just not it's not healthy. Oh, sure, it's healthy. Well, look when when I saw you at Camp Woody, you were hobbling around. Uh, we we talked earlier about the problems with your ankles and all, but you got your new ankle. How are things going with that? It's good, man. I'm wearing two shoes. Um, I went been turkey hunting, wore in two shoes. So I had two and a half years ago, I had my total ankle replacement. And then I have since crushed the talus. That's the bone that connects your foot to your ankle. And, uh, and so I had a new talus put in, a, a fake talus put in at the end of January. And I've had no pain. I haven't taken any, not so much wow. as an aspirin. It's been great. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's just, I just got to get out of here. Wow. I hear you. Surgeries are not easy. No. Um, it is April, and I hope that that ankle is not going to keep you from turkey hunting. Oh no, it's but not. Do you have a very important question for you? Are uh, you a mouth call, a slate call, or a box call kind of guy? You know, I'm slate and box call. I've I have I've never been able to get the mouth call down. <laughs> um, I end up choking on them. So, 
I just threw I mean, my headset you know, off. <laughs> it, it's, it's definitely the easier way to go. I'm just not real good at it. I, I played trumpet all through grade school and high school and all, so I, I like a mouth call. But I, I, seriously, I just threw my headset off when you said you choked on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it just doesn't feel natural to me to okay. do that. I, I've, I've tried a million times. It'd be nice to have both hands free. Yeah, yeah. but um, you know, there's a time when you need to stop calling anyway, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, practice, 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 and leave the call at home. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, look, uh, it is turkey season. I mean, I'm seeing pictures from guys here in South Carolina, both low country and upstate. Turkeys hitting the ground. Let's talk. Um, I mean, we got like like five minutes let's talk about how you fix a turkey what do you do when you get one on the ground because you don't want to do something to ruin it and you don't want to lose any part of it because you can you can use every part of a turkey so have at it well and that's a problem a lot of people don't use enough of their turkey so very few people that i know and, and you know this have plucked a turkey right because <laughs> it's a big chore if you if you do feel so inclined and you want to take a pretty picture of that plucked turkey put it in boiling water count to 15 pull it out and then those those the feathers will come out easier okay however i haven't found that turkey skin really helps anything um it, there's not a whole lot of fat on it okay um and so i just peel them so that's that's going to make that part a lot easier, peeling instead of plucking. If you want to pluck and you've got plenty of free time on your hands, have at it. Um, the thing that people do the most is they'll breast them out and then they'll throw the rest away. Okay. And, and they do the same thing with their ducks and pheasants and everything else. And that's, that's, a, no, idea. that's a no-no in Scott Lace's book. Well, you're wasting a lot of really good meat. And people, you know, I had somebody else tell me, man, I had a really professional chef cooked some turkey for me and it was horrible and i'll say let me guess it was really dry wasn't it yeah yeah it was dry i said that's because he cooked it like a domestic turkey that's got all that fat on it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work that way so i removed the breast i'm going to cook those number of different ways okay the important part is i'm going to cut those legs and thighs off the thighs you want to cook low and slow um those are, you know, they're these. You've seen turkeys run. Oh, yeah. um, they're pretty fast. Yes, they, they don't are. just sit, sit around all day. Yeah. So when you have sinewy, tough meat like that, you need to go take your time with it. Go low heat, a little bit of liquid, and it's going to eventually fall apart. That bottom part of the leg section, I don't care how long you cook it, <laughs> you can still beat somebody over the head with it after a couple weeks. <laughs> but you can use it to make soup stock. Okay. So. Yeah. So on the thighs, brown them and braise them. Put thighs into a, you brown them either on top or under the broiler. Throw in some celery, carrot, onion, a little stock or a can of beer or some wine, doesn't matter. Cover it up 300, 325 degrees, and it's going to take several hours for that meat to fall off. Um, save the bones because that's going to go into your stock pot. Okay. You take, you take the rest of it. You take the carcass. You roast it also until it's nice and brown celery, carrot, onions. Once everything's browned, including what's left of those thighs, I throw it into a stock pot, cold water, a little garlic, maybe some fresh herbs, um, some peppercorns, and I'm going to bring it to almost a boil, take the top off, low heat now, and just let it simmer all night long under really low heat. Um, 
All and night what long? you're going to smell all night long. In the morning, you're going to wake up and you're going to go, wow, does it ever smell good in here? Okay. And you're making turkey stock, just like you do with your Thanksgiving turkey carcass. You do it with your wild turkey. Okay. Um, what kills me is when people throw away that turkey, uh, the turkey carcass and the legs and thighs, and then they'll use a bouillon cube for their recipe. <laughs> because that bouillon cube is basically just, you know, yellow salt. Right. doesn't have any flavor to it. So if you take that stock, after you've let it simmer all night long, you pull it through a colander, get the big chunks out, and then you'd line that colander with either paper towels or cheesecloth, get the little stuff out. You can reduce it even more and concentrate that flavor, but you'll find that when that broth cools, it's, if you've done it properly, it's going to be like jello. Okay. Because you've gotten all that good <clears throat> collagen out of the bone. That, that's the bone broth that everybody raves so much about these days. Those of us who cook turkeys properly have been doing that forever and ever and ever. And I do the same thing with my waterfowl, same thing with my upland birds. you got to make stock out of those bodies. How do you store the stock once you've made it, Scott? I freeze it in batches. Um, some people put it in ice cube trays, okay. and then you pop those out, and that way whenever you need a little stock, a little something to saute with, you pull out a couple of ice cubes, boom, there it is. You don't have to open a can of broth or anything else. Um, you can also put it in Ziploc bags and freeze it flat, and that way when you need some broth, you just break off a corner of that, and you can put it back in the freezer. What uh, other than turkeys? What are you using the stock for when you're making what? It, it doesn't matter. I can make turkey soup. I can use it when I'm sautéing, you know, pheasants, or when I'm even when I'm cooking chicken. I've now got this bone broth that I can use that adds a much better depth of flavor than anything you're going to get out of a can or a bouillon cube. Okay. Um, it's just it's the difference between that that turkey soup that you've made at Thanksgiving with the Thanksgiving turkey carcass and something that comes out of a can. It just tastes so much real. It's the flavor so much better. you got to quit throwing these carcasses away. <laughs> All right. Well, we got about 30 seconds left in this one. Let's, uh, let's hold off because when we come back, I might do a little bit more on turkeys. We can have a few minutes. But, but Scott and I were talking earlier about all the other stuff you got in that freezer. Now's the time to use it. So hang on. we got Scott Lace at the Sporting Chef on. Back with more Woods and Water South Carolina after the break. Shaking your head. I'm getting real tired of this. This is some good music. See, we discussed. We did my discuss. good music. You said something about no, you wanted. No, okay. no. Okay, See, hush. We got a show to do. We'll argue. You, I gave you a song. We'll argue this afterwards. To, to play, and you just <laughs> didn't do it. You know. <laughs> Welcome back to Woods and Water South. I'm sure Scott likes the bumper music, not just Scott. Sure. Oh, see, not? see. And you, I'm about, an old guy too. Yeah, it's great stuff. You young people would do well to take it up. Excuse me. We have great music. Thank oh, I don't know much. about that. All the country stuff you listen to makes me want to just uh, crawl in the hole somewhere. Uh, uh, no, false. You listen to 
You listen to it a lot with okay, me. Okay, I do. Yeah. Well, we're, we do have Scott Lace at the Sporting Chef with us. And, Scott, the, the sporting, SportingChef.com is your website. Uh, it's got all sorts of information about cooking wild game and about where to watch and, and, and some of your sponsors and all that. But it's also loaded up with recipes. And it's all free. We're no, there's nowhere on there where we're trying to sell you anything. So it's just we got hundreds of recipes. I've forgotten a bunch of them that I've written over the years <laughs> because I've been doing this for a long time. It's but quite, quite acceptable. Um, if, you're, if you're a turkey hunter, I've got some great recipes there. The my favorite, current favorite, and it kind of changes. Sure. It's the spicy stuffed wild turkey breast. And that's that's on the website. I'm looking at it right now because I had to remember what the name of this thing was. Okay. But and one of the things that I like to do with the turkey breast is to butterfly them and stuff them. Okay. So the idea is you put a you put the turkey breast down on a flat surface and you run your knife in between or about halfway through it. Don't go all the way through and then flop it open kind of like a book so that okay. you've got a hinge in the middle. Um, and then I kind of lightly pound it because you want the you want the meat to be of even thickness. Okay. Um, season it with a little salt and pepper, um, and then it, however you want to stuff it is entirely your business. This recipe has got some shredded jack cheese, red onion, a little lime juice. This is kind of a southwestern deal. Okay. Uh, some garlic and then breadcrumbs, which kind of keeps. Whatever you got cheese in the stuffing, I like to put breadcrumbs in there because it keeps the cheese from running out. Um, a little yeah. jalapeno for flavor, chili powder, ground cumin, some fresh cilantro, and salsa. And the salsa is going to keep it moist. The breadcrumbs that are in there are going to soak all of that up. You make that mixture together. You've got your butterfly turkey breast. You put the stuffing on the inside. Roll it up like a burrito with you're using your fingers to tuck in both ends of it. Um, put it into a, uh, a, you can either brown it on top of the oven or just put it into a 375 degree oven. Put the seam side down. When you roll this thing up, there's going to be a seam where it's going to be open on one side. Put that seam side down and that will seal it. Um, and it's going to take about 15 to 20 minutes. Don't overcook this. If you stick a meat thermometer into the breast itself, um, you want to go about maybe 150 degrees tops. Okay. Let it rest for a few minutes, and then after it's it's rested and all tightened up, you slice it into medallions, and it's so good. <laughs> it's juicy. You've got a little bit of spice in there, too. Um, and you know what a lot of people like to do in their wild game is to make it not taste like wild game. <laughs> we, so yeah. they'll soak it in something really <laughs> nasty and then wrap it in jalapeno and bacon and all that, which is fine. It just doesn't taste like wild turkey. No. Taylor's and that's, that's the, the victory for me is that it tastes like wild turkey. And and all too often what we try and do with our game is to cover up the taste of game. And most of the time, I believe, it's because people have overcooked it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, whether it's a duck or a turkey, I've, you know, I've worked at the Southeast Wildlife Expo for many years, and what I really enjoyed is I would cook duck for people, and they'd come by and they'd say, oh, I don't like duck. And I'd say, well, try this. Try this. And, and they'll go, what did you do? And I said, I did a lot less than you do. Yeah. Um, you know, I brine it, and I cook it to medium rare, and, it, and well, how come it's so tender? Because I didn't cook the snot out of it like you guys do. It's, it's 
It's not tough and chewy. It's not duck jerky. It's duck. <laughs> so the same thing applies with your wild turkey. If you've had the problem with your wild turkey being dry, the chances are you just cooked it way too long. You know, well, something you told me maybe the first time you ever came on the air is you're not here to make cooking wild game more complicated. You're here just to make it taste better. Right. You know, so many people who love to hunt have decided that I've talked to you. They say, I don't eat this stuff anymore. You know, I'll go duck hunting and yeah. I'll give my ducks away. Yeah. And that's what I love, giving them a piece of duck and say, well, try this. Yeah. Well, what did you do? <laughs> so cook it less, not more. You don't need to have obscure ingredients. You don't need to out-chef anybody. It's pretty basic stuff. And you can make, really, the game that you bring home should taste sensational. It's not something you should try and cover up. Taylor's over here chewing on a, on a wood box turkey call. <laughs> oh, in my mouth, I'm bailing the scuppers underneath my, my taste buds. Uh, I told you I didn't want to do this this show because I know I'd be like this. I can't focus on anything. You're talking about bag food. of potato chips over here. She's been munching on. Uh, sure, that's a real letdown of what we're yeah, talking about. It is. It is. You know, it. Okay, people are. Most people, if you're non-essential, you're home. A lot of people working remote from home. <clears throat> and you, you were talking, and you said, you know what? Let's uh, let's spend some time talking about what you can do with all the other stuff that's sitting in your freezer that you don't have time to get to, or you really you do your favorites and and forget about some of this. So, what do people have in their freezer, and how do they get rid of it, Scott? Well, you know, those of us who hunt and fish are fortunate enough to have um, things like, you know deer and quail and everything and, and any number of fish and shrimp and that kind of stuff in the freezer and a lot of that stuff we kind of move around the freezer and we're going ah, i don't know i don't really want to do anything with that because i've got this you know this back strap that i shot sure. you know three or four weeks ago i'm gonna eat that first yep well now is a really good time to eat some of that old stuff first and if it's bad don't eat it if you've got trout that's been in the freezer for five or six years it's not really going to be very good, and there's a reason why you haven't eaten it. However, <laughs> you might have some random pieces of fish that would make a really incredible chowder. Okay. Um, all you got to do, I mean, you, you make a little roux. You've got some butter and flour, and you make a roux with that. Cook the equal parts butter and flour. Cook it together. When it's kind of a light or kind of a dark beige color, you can start building your chowder on top of that. You take some cold milk, maybe a little fish stock or chicken stock, and put that in a little bit at a time while you're stirring that roux in there. Throw in some celery, carrot, onion, all diced up, maybe a little potato. Let that simmer until you get, um, until everything is just cooked but not overcooked. Then you take those pieces of fish that you have, and it could be any number of different kinds of fish, shrimp, scallops, doesn't matter. You throw that in there. As soon as that turns color, it's done. You just made chowder. Make enough so that you can bring a batch over to your neighbors, and hopefully they'll return the favor and bring something else over to you. Oh, wow. But before you take that fish that's come out of the freezer, and now that you've thawed it, okay. before you put it into the chowder, I want you to wrap it in two ply paper towels and squeeze all that fish juice out of it. Because uh. you know, you'll notice you freeze a piece of fish, and yep. it's not it's not soaking in this pink fishy juice, and then when you go to thaw it, the bag is full of all this juice. If you just take it and put it right into the chowder from there, it's going to compete with that 
fishy flavor. So get it as dry as you can, and that way the fish will absorb the flavor from the stock that you put in there from the base of the soup. Um, same thing applies if you've got if you've got waterfowl, if you've got some deer meat in there, um, that makes a great stew also. You brown everything. You look at what you've got for vegetables. I just did a deal um, where all I had, I, I needed potatoes. I look in the pantry. I had some canned potatoes. I don't remember ever buying those things. <laughs> but, but let's put it into the stew. Sure. Some canned green beans, potatoes, some of that frozen vegetables you've got. Make a stew out of it and make a big batch. And you can actually take part of it and freeze it for later or share with your neighbors. Um, you know, getting back to fish, find your favorite crab cake or fish cake recipe. Take these random pieces of fish, give them a good squeeze to dry them out, and make fish cake. Um, put a little spicy mayonnaise on top, and people are going to think you did it on purpose. Now, um, now and you, you, went, you went to the store. How do you make a fish cake now? we got about we got about... Minute and a half. How do we make fish cakes? Uh, well, you're going to need something to bind it. What I do is I'm going to take all the pieces of fish, shrimp, whatever, dry it out really good, throw it into a bowl. I'm going to crack an egg on top. If you happen to have the luxury of an egg, um, <laughs> where I live, it's a real hit or miss proposition when wow. you go to the store. Yeah. Um, if if it's not, if you want to dust it a little bit with flour first, that'll make everything else stick better. Okay. Um, so you've got a little egg. Um, I like to put a little mayonnaise in there um, and some breadcrumbs, but not a lot of breadcrumbs because none of us like the crab cake. It tastes more like sure. bread than it does crab. Sure. Um, a little Old Bay seasoning, minced onion, garlic. Put the whole thing together and form it into balls, and you want it to be moist. You don't want it to be dry because it, it seems like it's too mo more moist than it should be. But when you put it into the skillet, it's going to, uh, you're just going to brown it on one side, flip it over, brown the other side, and then I just pop it into a 350-degree oven for about five minutes to finish cooking. It's so simple. If you want to really impress people, butterfly or shrimp, and then build and leave the tail on it, and then build your fish cake around that butterfly <laughs> shrimp, and it's going to look like a big stuffed shrimp, and it could be carp in there, and they won't know the difference. <laughs> Taylor has taken the chewing on the arm of the chair she's sitting in now. <laughs> I just, uh, pizza sounds good. so dumb after all this. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're having pizza tonight because I don't want to cook. <laughs> she's rebelling against me. Well, Scott, right. as I, I, there are freezer doors that are going to be opening all over this country uh, after we're done with this one. But, I again, it's another great visit to Woods and Water South Carolina. Another great time of having you on. I really appreciate doing it. Glad your ankle is doing well. And uh, SportingChef.com, Dead Meat TV. What else you got? That's it. Uh, I've got a blog on Winchester. I'm the cooking editor for Ducks Unlimited magazine, so check out Ducks.org for recipes there. Um, you know, my whole it, it's not about me. I just want you to make your fish and game taste better. And you do a great job of it. Scott, thank you for being on the show. Yes. Folks, um, <clears throat> go cook something good for dinner tonight. <laughs> and as always, make time to get out there. Take the back roads when you can. Don't forget the camera. We'll see you back here next week on Woods and Water, South Carolina. Like a friend of mine.